0: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode 46, with guest Kai Shormakin. All links and resources you hear in this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash four
1: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not
2: kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owens.
0: Hey there, ass kickers. So happy to have you back on the Your Kick Ass Life podcast. And if this is your first time, then welcome. I am so thrilled to bring you um, kind of an old friend of mine, Kai Sharmakin. And before we get started with the interview, I wanted to quickly introduce you all to her. A self described sensitive badass, Kai began her career in New York City as a dancer. She quickly realized a dancer's life was going to be like an athlete's life, short lived. She then focused on acting and has worked with Will Smith, Al Pacino, Ashley Judd, and Harrison Ford, among others. An award-winning filmmaker, Kai just finished directing a docudrama series for HBO Canada called Love, Jessica. She is the creator of WhoIsChick.com, an entertainment experience that explores fears, courage, and tapping into our superpowers as a way to realize your greatness. Kai is most proud of her fearless adventures like running a marathon when 400 meters was her idea of long distance and camping solo cross country in a 1982 Cadillac Seville while doing a silent sabbatical. Making friends with fear is Kai's passion and she loves to invite people along for the scary but always thrilling ride. So without further ado, here is Kai. Hey there, ass kickers. Yeah. <laughs> Andrea Owen here. Episode 46, you guys. I'm here with Kai Shormakin. So if any of y'all are old-time listeners, I should say old-time followers of Your kick Life, you might remember I interviewed Kai Like, three years ago, um, I had a series called the the Kick-Ass Women series, and it was on video. And she's back!
3: Yeah! (laughs) Thank you for having me back.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Kai is awesome. And you guys already heard her her little bio about the awesome things she does in the world with Chick. And I think the very first thing that I ever saw you do was... um, God, it had to have been in like 2010 or something you did with two of your friends, colleagues, superwomen. Your 100 curse words on YouTube. There will be a link in the show notes.
3: (laughs) Good. Because I love that video.
0: (laughs) I watch it when I'm having a down day.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's so good to know because that's kind of the purpose.
0: Yeah, good. I love it. Women cussing for some reason just makes me
3: really happy. You know what's better than women cussing? old women cussing. <laughs> right. I have an elderly neighbor that I take to the doctor every so often. And I swear to God, this is what she says to me one day. She's like, she says Porsche or something like that. It's some language that she's from, which means God. She's like, just so you know, but I always say Porsche all the time. I say Porsche, which means God. And I say shit. And I was like, Oh my God, this woman's 86. And she's like saying God and shit in the same sentence. That's hilarious.
0: Oh, oh that's awesome. which actually
3: proves to you that. God and swearing both do the same thing. They calm you down.
0: (laughs) True. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Both Mm -hmm. are therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. Okay. Well, let's get this party started. Let's talk about shit that matters. Okay. It all matters. But I (laughs) know that you... You and I have similar stories, and um, and everyone everyone knows a story about me about being in a shit relationship and turned my life around. And you have a similar story to that. So, and and your story is really interesting. You know, I mean, talk about dramatic. But can you tell us? Within your story, or or tell us the story because it's a good one, Uh, what was your breaking point in that former relationship, like the point where you decided to draw the line in the sand and kind of turn the mirror on yourself and decided to work on you? What happened?
3: Right. Okay. So first what happened was I was in a three-year relationship that was, um, for the most part, I would say, emotionally abusive and was turning towards physical abuse towards the very end. Um, Kind of the straw that broke the camel's back was he held me at knife point for a night. Um, And then I went into hiding for three days with my girlfriend and loved ones kind of, I don't know, I was so beat down that I really couldn't, I didn't have the strength to get out of the relationship myself. So my girlfriend took me in. I kind of disappeared for three days. In the meantime, my brother was like conspiring behind the scenes and bought this MF a ticket to Europe because he had some plan at that point to go teach English to people in Sweden or somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, um, So that went down and he left. And that was actually... What allowed me to regain enough of myself and enough of my strength, so that when he reappeared and was like, "Hey, let's get back together," I was like, "Hail to the no." <laughs> okay. um, so yeah, you know, before I was in that relationship, I never understood women who were abused. I was like, "Just get the fuck out, get out." Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, um, and I this is, I want anybody who's listening to this, the people who've never been in one or have friends or family that are in one, to understand. When you're in an abusive relationship, your whole sense of self has been systematically broken down to the point that you are very challenged to make proper decisions. And that's not to justify like the choices we make, but being having been in one, it's just and I'm a strong chick, like I am like don't fuck with me. Mm-hmm. So, um I just, you know, I, my girlfriend that took me in had been in one and she was my guiding light because I I was in that relationship for three years, but a year and a half in, I knew I needed to get out and it took that extreme thing happening and another year and a half to get out. And the whole time, A lot of people were judging me. All she kept saying was, you'll get out when you're ready. You'll get out when you're ready. Just hang in there. And she, you know, I needed someone to believe in me because I certainly didn't believe in myself. And when you judge people who are in um, abusive relationships, you're not helping them Mm because they've already, trust me beat themselves down, and they have a partner who's beating themselves down. So the last thing they need is anybody else beating them down. Anything you can do to lift them up is the best thing you can do to help them. Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, so he left, I got out, and um, the turning point was actually a year after I got out of the relationship. For a year, I spent it hating him, blaming him, and everybody in my life, went along with that because, yeah, the guy's an asshole. He's a dick, blah, 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 blah. And I don't know what the hell, but a year after I got out, I had this, like, moment and asked me why it happens here. I'm checking into my gym, maybe because I'm going to the gym to take care of myself and my body, but I'm (laughs) at the gym and I have this epiphany. I'm like, oh, my God. I am responsible. Mm -hmm. And that was it. I was done blaming him. I turned the focus on me, which was not a pleasant journey yeah. because first you have to go, why the hell did I do that to myself? How do I feel about myself? How do I look at myself in relationship to men, um, my value, all of that stuff. And it's really, honestly, if you've been in an abusive relationship, there's gotta be a part of you that just doesn't believe you're worthy. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you now to today, I would never be in that type of relationship. Never. Mm -hmm. But that's because of the work. So that was really the turning point for me. But And, you know, I don't regret that year between getting out and that epiphany moment. Because I believe in having your anger and expressing all that. And it's a process. And you can't, you know, I feel like in today's day and age with the internet and everything, we've been conditioned to think everything had to happen yesterday and, like, if you look at life around us, just go for a walk in nature. It doesn't work that way. Like, yeah. it's a process. So that was that was a huge turning point for me. And um, I, I've kind of never looked back. It's always been, even in any other situation, any other kind of relationship, if I'm having issues or problems, I'm like, okay, what about me is contributing to this? What about me can I change? Because, honestly, that's the only part I have
1: control over.
0: Right. Right. Well and I I'm, I'm, I love that and I'm so glad that you said that it took you a year and it was this long process because I think that you know a lot a lot of the women that listen to my podcast they they are smart ladies and they are high achieving and when they see something that's that they're not happy with in their life they're like all right where's the solution and let's get on it and let's get this yeah. done like in an hour And, um, and I, you know, and I sometimes need to check myself before I wreck myself with that because, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, but it's true. It's such a, it's, it's about, it's true. It's about unlearning the way that we have been and, you know, the coping mechanisms that we've carried and the way that we are in relationships and all these other things and, and relearning a new way. And that is not going to take, that is not going to take one hot second. That's going to take a while. And sometimes like you, I mean, I did the same thing, like. My husband and I split up, and and I had a year. I needed an entire year of, for me, it was like more drama and chaos before I finally reached my breaking point. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, I hear, yeah, it's not always just quick zippity doo dah. Yeah, I'm gonna so, talk. Yeah, in cli- I'm-, I'm gonna talk in cliches for the rest of <laughs> the podcast. <laughs>
3: do it yeah I actually my new thing is like I try to do things lo-fi now um, my friend is, is doing a sci-fi movie and she's like it's a lo-fi sci-fi and I'm like lo-fi sci-fi and I guess because you know there's so much technology and all this stuff around us but I don't know my body is craving for lo-fi in other words real world in connections being out in nature, like just getting it back down to the earth, getting grounded. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's part of that process, too, is like finding the balance. Because, you know, as you said about your listeners and your your audience, they're like kick-ass women. And and that got us where we are. So it's not like we want to abandon it. It's finding the balance between, you know, when we can kick it into that gear to get things done, but also learn how to re-ground and recenter ourselves. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Well, and also, you know, recently I was <clears throat> I was restocking you on the internet, and you mentioned in another interview that you did exercise exercises to help you gain the self-worth and, and self-love that you needed. I'm assuming those weren't like squats and stuff like <laughs> that. So what you know, were at the gym? <laughs> I
3: mean, loving yourself that way is, is too, but no, yeah. Um, Oh, my God. I've done so many. I still do exercises. Like, Good, it's all yeah. going because I – My philosophy is um, until the day I die, it's never ending as far as learning about myself and evolving as a human being. Mm
0: slash Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea, masterclass.com slash Andrea.
4: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.
3: But like early on, when I first got out, um, I did like a lot of affirmations. I would record them like and f- drive around. while because I'm in L.A., right? So you're driving a lot um, and just listening over and over again because I just didn't believe anything. Mm -hmm. anything good about myself so I I literally kind of had to like saturate myself with different thoughts and different um feelings about myself the other thing I did because I caught myself one day like swearing at myself you're such a fucking idiot why would you fucking do that and Mm -hmm. I was like whoa I would like I probably wouldn't even say that to someone I didn't like (laughs) I was like um (laughs) Why are you saying that to yourself? So, you know, I looked at a lot of that stuff. I had a lot of, as a lot of us do, issues with my body. Mine aren't like being overweight. Mine is being underweight. And I would, and you know, I'm a big believer, like whatever you're thinking will be reflected back to you around you. So Uh I would have women come up to me and say, are you anorexic? Like what, like what's the deal? And so I would almost be in tears. Yeah. And I realized I really need to look at how – that's the best thing about all that painful stuff that comes to you. It's just like, and here's what to look at. Here's
2: what to work on. <laughs> yeah. So I Driven did this it
3: up. where I stood in front of the mirror naked like every day and told myself I looked best naked until I believed it. And – Girl, let me tell you, I believe it now. Mirror work, yeah. I, I'm almost a freak the other way now. I <laughs> literally get in front of the mirror, I'm like, "Oh my god, girl, you are happening!" Damn, like, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like seriously, what is going on here? Yeah, it's, so, so- it's-, it's a process, though. Like, it, and I tell women that, and I, I can't. Every person I've told to do it cringes mm-hmm. and says, "There's no way I could do that."
0: It's Best not. Me. Easy peasy. It's certainly not. I was just talking in a few episodes ago, I think it was episode 43 with Jenny Perry and we were talking about mirror work and that was one of the very first things I did too. And I think, you know, if you back up a little bit and, and Jenny made a good point and she said some, some women have a really hard time even looking themselves in the eye in the mirror. Yeah. So if that's where you need to start, start there Yeah. and, you know, just start having like neutral conversations with yourself in the mirror and it's it's gonna feel
3: weird it's gonna feel really weird I love that I didn't even think of that because I was actually just telling someone yesterday I was like you know if you've got a project or something you want to do and it's overwhelming you just you know start easy and I use an example that Sark um, that author used Mm -hmm. where she was like say you want to like clean out your closet the first step can be like I opened the door today Mm -hmm.
1: you know so maybe
3: you look at your finger right Maybe look at your hand and fall in love with your hand and then take it from there I went, like, straight in, though. Naked, look, and deal.
2: (laughs) No dipping your toes in. No, I
3: didn't. But, you know, in hindsight, that might have been a nicer, gentler way to do it.
0: Yeah, the way I would think of it, like, if you were my client, I would be like, all right, go into the bathroom with your clothes on, with your best outfit on, and compliment your outfit. Oh, that's
3: good, too. (laughs) See, that's why you're a coach. (laughs) I'm not. <laughs> just it's, do it, it, damn it.
0: Well, it, it's just, it's, I think that it's just so scary for some people. And I think a lot of women, like, we want to do things well. And if, and it, when it comes to personal growth, they want to do that really well, too. And so if it's too hard, they're going to avoid it altogether. So just, just be neutral. Just, you know, make friends with yourself first instead of, instead of, you know, sometimes you got to, starts with just making peace with yourself, then being friends, then falling in love with yourself. It's. It's a journey, like you said. It is a definitely a journey.
3: And then you get to the point where you actually start falling in love with, like, your – the the quirks and the things that aren't perfect. And you actually start loving those. Then it's like you're on a whole nother journey there. <laughs>
0: and then you just can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. <laughs> I could just speaking hashtags for the whole episode, <laughs> too. <laughs> oh, Okay. You um there was a Rumi quote and it, it might have been in like a blog post that you had written and I love this it was it was start start a wildly foolish project like Noah and I'm 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 assuming that like Noah just wasn't one of Rumi's friends he's speaking of Noah's ark correct
3: I believe so Okay
0: start a wildly foolish project like Noah it makes no difference what people think of you yeah. And 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 you were equating this to um feeling the fear and pushing forward through it even while you're feeling it. And I absolutely love this and I fist pump this. So how do you, Kai Shormakin, how do you do this in your life?
3: Okay, well, I'll tell you how I first did it. Um, This must have been like six or seven years ago now, maybe even longer. But um, I went to a New Year's Eve... uh, thing at the Self-Realization Center, which is the organization that Paramahansa Yogananda created. Mm-hmm. And the person speaking was talking about near's resolutions. This is actually great for right around now. And how, you know, they're not really effective because usually within two or three weeks, you're not doing them anymore. And then you feel like a loser. So that was great. That mm-hmm. served a purpose. So he said, I don't do those. He's like, what I do is I pick a word that I would like to infuse my life with and apply to my entire life. And literally for me, it went, ding, I need to do that. So of course my silly ass decided to choose fear as the word. <laughs> so, and I defined what it meant. What it meant was, unless it was life-threatening, being afraid was not a good enough reason not to do something. Oh man. Girl, let me tell you, that was you, a year. you
0: are an all or nothing girl.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm changing. I'm a little softer now and I'm down for like mistakes and kind of like, you know, a little more feeling your way through it. But yeah, so that was how I defined it. And I got a lot done. That was the year I started doing Chick. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the year everything that I've done online and all my projects and really embracing, you know, my goals as far as directing and that started because I, every time I was like, ah. Then I'd be like, what was the word to this year? <laughs> and I'm like, damn it, I have to do that. I have to make that phone call. I have to ask that person this thing. And um, so that's how I did it. But, you know, um, since then, even before doing that, like I'm, I'm a real advocate for people actually stopping and becoming aware of their relationship with fear in general, mm-hmm. because um, we've been taught And I think it comes from like when we were like cavemen and women, um, that when we feel that it's a life and death situation, right? Mm -hmm. We have that response, even though it's actually not true. And so we respond as if we're going to die. And I think in this day and age, we don't have to worry about our life as much as we did back then. Um, sorry, that's my ape, which is my ringtone, which reminds me (laughs) to have a a sense of humor So it will ring a couple of times, and then stop. Um, So I feel like when we feel fear, we should stop and actually go, "Hmm, Okay, I feel fear. And how can I actually, when that feeling comes up, rewire our relationship to it. So now what I try to do is when I feel fear, I really try to get excited. Oh, I'm afraid. Okay, this is an opportunity. Because honestly, to achieve pretty much anything you want to in your life and become a bigger person, you're going to have to be afraid because you're going to do something you've never done before. Right. So yeah, that's the first step. Even if all you're doing is stopping and acknowledging, because I don't think we do that, right? You feel afraid and then that kind of shuts you down. or and we quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, even, even if you quit, if the only step you take is, oh, I felt that. I mm-hmm. felt what came up. I'm not doing it right now. I can't do it. But I felt that. Then next time it comes up, maybe you'll actually have a conversation <laughs> with it mm-hmm. and, you know, negotiate because a lot of the things that – um you know, we tell ourselves are going to kill us. When we actually have that conversation, we realize, oh, that actually ain't going to kill me. It might be hard and uncomfortable, right? But Not it won't the kill me. Same thing as killing you.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talk a lot about fear and courage over here at Your Kickass Life, and I think that we've been conditioned to just have my my whole philosophy is is this is that most of us come from a place of fear. And that's sort of like the soil to our tree. And then our self-talk is manifested from fear. And then what ends up happening is that we fall into behaviors like perfectionism, trying to control everything. We also isolate and
3: numb out. Yeah. Um. I have a, let me share, I have another Rumi quote that's great
0: that I'll share with you. Rumi is my homeboy.
3: Yes, run from what's comfortable, forget safety. Live where you fear to live. Destroy your reputation. Be notorious. What? That is hella scary. Yeah. <laughs> Put that Uray. up there and read that every day.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. But you know what? Be so
3: notorious, though. Come on. That's like the goal.
0: It's so crazy because like every time I've actually done that, like speaking from, especially from a business standpoint, yeah. every time I've done that, I've been more successful.
3: Yes, I agree. Me too. You too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn it. And, oh. So <laughs> then I go, um, girl. You already know how this works. <laughs> know. Doesn't so, it doesn't make it any less scary, though.
3: No. So and- you constantly have to. That's why I think it's important, especially for the type of people that you say your audience is. We think, oh, we figured that out. Now that's done. Guess what? It's not. Right. It's life is like a spiral. You revisit and revisit and revisit. And if we can get used to the idea that just because we conquered one hurdle, it's you still have to face the same fears and, and you know, challenges, maybe at a different level, maybe slightly easier, but that's just life.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. Okay, and I think, I think that, you know, my people might be sick of hearing me say this, but I'm, I'm going to keep repeating it until everyone in the world knows this. And I used to... It's a complete misconception that in order to be courageous, which which you know courageous is courageous sister is confidence, in yes. order to be courageous that we have to <clears throat> completely be fearless and 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 bypass fear completely and you know, a lot of the work that I do is based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown, and she says like in her research, fourteen years of research, you know thousands and thousands and thousands of interviews, is that courageous people are still afraid and that you can have the both feelings of courage and fear at the same time yeah. in, in, in any moment of any given day. Yeah. And I've known that to be true in my own life. Like when I yes. wrote that book, I'll tell you what, I was very, very scared. I was afraid mm-hmm. and courageous at the same time. So anything big, you know, when I got remarried after having a failed marriage, still afraid and <laughs> courageous yeah. at the same time. Yeah.
2: That's the big stuff. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
1: Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time add more joy to your life? And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter free.
3: I'm so glad you said that, because yeah, I don't I don't know where this whole fearless thing came from, but it's, it's kind of, of, my favorite. it list. kind of actually prevents you from like, you know, getting to where you need to get to. Yeah. It's this, and I
0: really like too, that you were talking about really identifying your relationship with fear. And I think that it also is the same. And I wrote a blog post about this too, is like identifying your relationship with courage. What does your relationship with courage look like? Cause I think that that's a lot of the problem. I think that yeah. a lot of people think that people are just born courageous, like it's yeah. part of their personality. It's like in their DNA. That's not true at all. It's not, courage is a choice. Courage, courage, yeah. is, courage is a virtue and a value. And it's, for me, it's my number one value. And there's a quote by Maya Angelou that says, um, courage is the most important virtue because without courage, you can't practice all of the other ones.
3: Yeah, so true. Um,
0: and then, okay. So uh, you, I, I, this is like just a random question that I wanted to ask you about yeah. courage. Speaking of courage, what is the worst piece of advice that you've ever received about
3: strength and courage? Damn. (laughs) Well, you know what? People don't really challenge me on that because I'm so damn passionate about it. But I'll tell you this. It's actually, it's not like, because like what? Someone's going to be saying, don't be be courageous. You know
1: what I mean? (laughs)
3: But I think, and this is actually um, probably the most important thing, is to be really aware when the people's fears around you are impacting your choices. So I'll give you like a real world example. So, um, a long time ago I decided I wanted to drive cross country mm-hmm. with my dog by myself while camping and doing a silent sabbatical. Okay. So my, my like family was like, wait wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. Does that mean you weren't going to like a silent, like you weren't going to talk?
3: I didn't talk. I had a card with me that I handed to people, like if I was at a gas station or something, and it said, Hi, my name is Kai. I'm on a silent sabbatical. I'll be communicating with you without words. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, and this was pre no cell phones. So I had no cell phone. I was a woman by myself, not speaking. So pretty much my friends and family were like, Are you crazy? Was it just like an experiment? Huh? It was like an
0: experiment. You wanted to see how it went?
3: No, I was going to. My dad was getting sick, so I was I was going home, and I, okay. and I was poor,
1: mm-hmm. so I had to
3: drive, and I had to take my dog, and I was feeling like crap, and I thought I think if I'm quiet for a while, that'll help me. Mm-hmm. Ask me why I thought that. I don't know, <laughs> but it was literally one of the best things I ever did in my life. I got stories about that trip. It's awesome, but um, I tell you this because of the worst vice advice thing is. It was, okay, so let's go back. It was one of the best, like probably top five highlights in my life so far, that trip. But when I was telling people, this is what I feel like I need to do, everybody went to fear, was afraid because I was a woman by myself driving across country by myself, blah, 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 started hitting me with like, are you sure you want to do that? Blah, 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 blah. And I started to get afraid. Mm. So I rebelled and I told everybody was forbidden to talk about it. I don't want to hear any more about it. I'm doing it and I don't want to hear anything about it. And so that is where I think worst advice comes in is when you like, that was a gut thing. My gut was like, you need to do this. This will help you heal or whatever I needed to work at at the time. I was still really recovering from my relationship. And, um, when people around you start to come at you with advice that you can feel is fear-based, you got to shut that shit down like in a quick minute because you will take it on and it can have an impact Yeah. So that's as far as advice goes, I think that's just like apply that in real world. Like, you know, if you know people in your world that come from fear, those are not personally, I would like push them like way out. So they're not in my close circle, but, um, yeah, they need to be um, – serious boundaries need to be created mm-hmm. around people like that. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. what I would say as far as worse advice because right. a lot of people live from a fear-based place. So Absolutely. if you're going to choose not to do that, then you, you, you're you probably going to be faced with making some some changes in your life. Right. And more specifically,
0: I, and I, I don't know if this is what you're alluding to, but changes as far as like – whom you tell your story to so it's not necessarily a matter of you know all the people that Kai that told Kai that she was foolish for doing that she needs to kick out of her life not at all but it's like I think sometimes we get to a certain point in our life and I think that if you're listening to this you're there that you can give yourself permission to really take a look at who you're sharing what particular stories with. Because I think, yeah. like, for that, you were probably really excited, you know, and you're like, I'm going to go do this. And, like, most of the people were like, girl, you're crazy. But there was probably maybe, like, one or two people who you could trust enough with that story to still be probably a little nervous for you but support you.
3: Yeah. Well, I will – and, you know, like, I was – like, my mom, my parents were that. They weren't feeling it. But when I shut it down and I was like, mm-mm. They actually shifted and then decided, okay, well, either we don't talk to her at all right. or we get on board. And so, and then I compromised with them because I didn't have a phone, but they needed to know that I was going to be okay. And I can understand that. So as I was driving cross country, when I got to my next campsite, I would call them and just press a number. Like I think it was once for I'm not okay or twice I'm okay. Uh-huh, like and then I would hang up. <laughs> So that they oh knew gosh. I was alive and everything was okay. So, you know, I think, you know, cause sometimes I think when people start to get into like, I am going to do what I want to do and I don't want to hear anybody's fears things, you get a little extreme mm-hmm. and there can be room in there for compromise and understanding that even though you don't want to live from fear, that other people still do and you really can't force them not to do that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, one last question. What was your biggest, what was your biggest takeaway from that journey? my biggest takeaway.
3: Um, uh, So I have two passions. One is fear. So that's why I love that we're talking about it Mm -hmm. because I really feel like fear is probably the biggest thing that stops people from realizing their greatness and their full potential and their purpose for being here. The other is intuition, which I call our superpower that Mm -hmm. we all have. And that because of modern society has been pretty much, I don't know, erased as part of what we use to make our decisions. Yes. and um, Once you've gotten a decent relationship with fear, I get really passionate about learning how to incorporate what your gut is telling you into the choices you make in your life because that's how you create magic. Mm -hmm. And when I was um, driving cross country, uh, first day, this is what my, the voice in my head was doing. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm I'm going to lose my mind. And then a day in it calmed. I got quiet. It just got quiet because I had no radio, nothing. That was it. It was going to be silent. Wow. I started to feel the energy of cities as I would drive through them. It got really deep three days in or four days in my car starts to trip out. And I'm like, damn it. So I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to have to talk. This sucks. Because I, I was a Sunday. I had to find somewhere where they could look at my car. So I end up in, like, I was in Joliet, Michigan. I'm
2: like, great.
3: I, I find some mechanic named Scooter. Um, shut up really scooter and all scooter cared about was like hey let's run off to vegas together i was like
1: seriously really i'm on this like
3: spiritual like quiet thing and then i run into scooter so he's like i can't figure out what's wrong with your car i had an old car and at that time people mechanics were used to hooking it up to computer and it would tell you what's wrong but you couldn't do that with my car it was too old and i was driving a cadillac so at this point he's like if you break down between here and chicago i'll come get you Okay, Chicago's 100 miles away. And I was like, that's comforting. Wow. So I get well, back that's on kind the of road. creepy too. Just a tad. But <laughs> I don't, you, he was like harmless, but it was like, I have a picture of a scooter. I think it's on my website somewhere where I tell the story. <laughs> anyway, so I get back on the road. Now I have spoken, but I've got four days of quiet. So I'm t- still pretty tapped in. Mm-hmm. And I just go, I need to know where to get off the highway. That's all I asked. And I just drove and the the lights blinking, check engine, check engine. And I'm tense, but I'm trying to stay centered. And I'm like, okay, like when should I get off? And then just like this, it was like, get off. So I get off, I'm like in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I get off, I see a motel, I pull into the driveway. My car dies in the driveway. So now I'm like, I got to find a caddy dealership. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I bet the ne- nearest caddy dealership is like 100 miles away. So I get inside, check in. Girl, you know the caddy dealership is a mile up the street. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I was back on the road 10 o'clock the next morning. Wow. And All because you just, you just asked and listened. Listen and could hear it because the problem with our day and age right now is we got so much stuff bombarding us, you can't hear it. Right. So that was my biggest takeaway, the power of it, the power of how it can guide us in our lives to make, you know, life is still going to be a challenge, but there are like 3000 routes to wherever you're going. And some of them are actually easier than others. Mm -hmm. And I really believe when you use your intuition as part of your guidance system, you can find the easier ones And who doesn't want the easier one,
0: Right. The easy way, the quickest, quickest route. Yeah.
3: Where you're kind of in the flow. That's what I call it. When you're using your intuition, you get in the flow. And that experience, I was like, I was in the flow.
0: Yeah. And I will say too, that that's a practice as well. That's not something that you can just like, there's one exercise to do it. And then once you get it, it's down. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are times when I fall off the wagon and I'm like, oh my gosh, my mind has not shut up for like the last six weeks. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Awesome. I love that story. Good old scooter. I know. It's the best story, right? It's a good old scooter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. So if you go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash four six, there is links to um the hundred best curse words from Kai et al. And um links to links to um all of Kai's websites. I know you have several. What's the best what's the best way to, for people to to learn more about you?
3: Um yeah definitely going to whoaschick.com is, is you know pretty much my hub. Um, and where, you know, when stuff is happening, I usually put it there. So I would say that that's the best place.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Your kickoff.com you. forward slash four, six. And again, you guys, I would love to, if you shared this podcast and if you love the podcast, please leave a rating and a review. So everyone and their mother will know about it. And I think that's it kids. I'll see you next time for episode 47. Thanks so much for being here. Bye.